The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus said to his disciples, In those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the end of the earth to the end of the sky. Learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches become tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, know that he is near at the gates. Amen, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. The Gospel of the Lord. This weekend we celebrate the last weekend where we wear the green vestments until sometime in January or early February. It's because we come to the end of the liturgical year. Next weekend we'll celebrate the feast of Christ the King, Christ the King of the universe. He who comes to reign gloriously over all of creation which he himself has created. But before the Lord can come in his glory, before he can claim himself as king on the last day... All these things that we know must come to an end. And that's what the scriptures speak to us today about. About the end of the world. This comes, the the reading today comes from the gospel of St. Mark, the 13th chapter. There are only 16 chapters in Mark's gospel. So it's right at the very end where the Lord is about to go to his death and his passion. As the last couple of chapters will indicate. At the beginning of the chapter, a portion of the reading which we missed, it speaks of how Jesus was with the disciples outside of this city, looking down upon Jerusalem, looking at at the entire city itself. And the disciples are marveling at how beautiful it was. Jesus, look at the temple. Isn't it gorgeous? The house of God. Just look at it sparkling in the sun. Like a gold, you know, covered in jewels. And Jesus, knowing that the end will come one day, in no uncertain terms, begins to tell them, everything you see will one day cease to exist. All of these beautiful things will decay. They will fall apart. There will come a day where there will not be one stone upon the other of that beautiful temple that you look at now. He begins to tell them about other things that would take place. Things that we usually imagine as rather scary things. The lights in the skies begin to fade, the stars fall and such. He speaks about all of these things as a way of preparing his disciples and us and reminding us that 
the earth that we know is not our eternal home. It's a starting point. That one day the Lord will come in his glory and everything we've known about this life will cease. And the Lord will create a new heaven and a new earth. And those who are faithful, those who are the elect chosen by his angels, as the scriptures indicate, will be brought into that new heaven and new earth, to a new eternity. Oftentimes when we hear this world is going to, going to decay, when this world is going to end, we think in very fearful terms. And certainly there's an element of fear to it. There's always an element of fear when something unknown is prophesied to take place. But the simple fact is that if we are prepared, we need not fear. Because we'll be ready. And this is what Jesus is doing. It would be foolish of him when the disciples are talking about the glories of the world to just sit out and look, knowing in his mind all of this is going to end, and simply to look at him and say, yeah, ain't it grand? And not to say another word. It would be a great disservice to them. How terrifying would the day be whenever the things begin to happen that the Lord Jesus indicates will happen? And the first thought in anyone's mind when they see it was, Jesus never talked about this. Now when it happens, we'll be able to understand and see. We'll be able to take our lesson from the fig tree and be able to recognize, you know, that whenever the signs of these things are happening around us, maybe the Lord is coming soon. Maybe his coming is imminent. And oftentimes the things that the Lord indicates as the signs of his coming are things that actually happen in every generation. There are signs in the skies. There are things that happen on earth. There are fires, there are storms, there are earthquakes, there are wars, there are divisions, there are family divided against family. All of the things that the Lord prophesies and says these will be the signs the Lord is coming. All of that happens in every generation. And I partly have to wonder if it's the Lord just kind of keeping us on our toes. He chose things that he knew would be taking place. But they'll take place in even greater levels whenever he comes. But it's such that oftentimes people wonder. And I'm sure at least one or two of you have heard someone else. If you haven't wondered yourself, with the situation our world is in, surely the Lord has to be coming soon, right? I know I've heard it a number of times. Look at the way things are happening around us. We've got wars, we've got storms, we've got floods, places that have never had any of these things. This stuff's happening. We're kind of wondering, is it, are these signs? Are these signs? And in the end, maybe so. I don't know. But the simple fact is, whatever it is, we need to be prepared for the Lord. And this is why it gives us the message today. And this is why the church wisely places it on the lips of the readers for Holy Mass, that we might be able to hear these words and also have our hearts prepared, lest we be taken by surprise on the day of the Lord either comes in his glory or calls us to himself by way of our own death. And so this is what we embrace, a willingness to be prepared. And it comes in two very simple ways. We'll hear it again echoed in the coming weeks as we have the, the Advent season come upon us in that time of penitential joy, that, that time of preparing ourselves for the coming of the Lord that has kind of a, a, double, a double mind to it, both the Lord coming at Christmas as well as the Lord coming in glory. So we're, we'll be echoing this message in the coming weeks. 
But the simple fact is the first thing that we have to do to be able to prepare for the Lord to come is to repent. To have sorrow for our sins and actually do something about it. This is why the season of Advent is indeed a, a penitential season. Is it follows at the end of the year so that we can be mindful of all of these things. The, the, the mindful of the, of, at the end of our life, the end of the world. The call, the, the, the call for us to be prepared for the new creation. And then we go into a, a season of penance, of preparation, of preparing our hearts. In case you haven't heard me say it in a while, go to confession. Go to confession. That is the best way to be prepared for whatever happens every day of our life. Go to confession. Because it makes sure that we are in a state of grace. And make sure that anything that, that would be there to weigh upon our soul, anything that God forbid could send us not to eternal life but to eternal death, that is taken away, that is gone, it's removed. But even more so, sacrament of reconciliation and confession, whenever we do it, it, it removes sin from us, but also it gives us God's grace. It gives us strength. It gives us fortitude. But on those places where we might be weak, especially in times of trial, the Lord comes to strengthen us. Go to confession and prepare well. And the second thing we need simply to do is, it's a rather broad brush, but... Live the faith. This is all the Lord really asks of us. So we get down into lots of nitty-gritty details of what exactly that means. But the simple fact is the Lord calls us to be sorry for our sins and then to resolve to live in Christ. To let Christ really live in us. That's what St. Paul himself would say. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I've given myself over to Christ so entirely that, that, that I don't do my will anymore. I do what Christ desires of me. And I know what he desires of me because I pray. I speak to him. I know his voice. I've read his scriptures. To live as if Christ is living in us is the greatest of gifts we can imagine. And it's not impossible. It's freely given, freely handed to every single one of us. We need simply live our faith, to be willing to spend time each day in prayer, to dedicate each time, each weekend, to be able to come to Holy Mass, to spend time with our Lord, to receive Him the Blessed Sacrament, to spend time in community where it can be strengthened among our brothers and sisters and be nourished, not only with the faith from Christ, but the faith of one another, to be lifted up and to lift up to one another. These are the things that the Lord invites us to in this time. And if indeed the day comes anytime soon, we'll be prepared. The Lord doesn't want us to be fearful. We shouldn't be fearful. Anyone who has the grace of Christ alive within them, certainly, again, there's an element of fear, always a, a human, a natural fear that arises in any situation. But there should be no, no true fear if we're full of the grace of Christ, because we have nothing to fear, because we know we have Christ. We know we have eternal life. Not because I've earned it, but because I've experienced the mercy of Christ, and I've experienced his life at work in me, that he's going to be the one to do it. And so this is what we offer today. 
As we come and offer these holy mysteries, every single Mass, uh, the priest prays, Pray, brethren, that, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. My sacrifice and yours. Every one of us comes to offer a sacrifice here. We come to offer something of ourselves. Sure, we put our, our money in the collection basket. We bring our, our, our wine and, and our bread forward. But if these are only the, the only gifts that we bring, then we shortchange the Lord and we shortchange ourselves. Because of what he desires is our hearts. He desires all of us. And so I encourage you once again, as indeed we're called to do every single day, every single Sunday, especially at Mass, to take your heart and to give it to Christ. Visualize it. Imagine all the, all the things that are in your mind, all the worries that you have, all the concerns, and take them and imagine yourself placing them on the altar, placing them in the basket, placing them with the gifts. Give it to Christ. Give him your heart. And indeed, whenever the Lord calls us to himself at the very end, it will be the greatest of joys we will ever experience. Because rather than a word of condemnation, we'll be able to say truly the words that our responsorial psalm sang today. You are my inheritance, O Lord. For all eternity, you are mine and I am yours.